and welcome to The Bond, the podcast for purposeful and peaceful parenting. Five young Christian moms started this podcast in September 2020 in Germany. We wish you God's blessings as you listen to the fourth episode, Resting in the Bond of Love. Vincent is a very ambitious father. He wants only the best for his six-year-old son, Tom. He shall become an exemplary child. When Tom pushes or hits his little brother in an argument, Vincent looks at him in horror. Then he shakes his head in disappointment and turns his attention to his little brother. Tom has to go into his room alone and think about what he did wrong. Only when he apologizes to his brother, his father is content again. Tom also has to learn early on to sit quietly and devoutly during church service. If he starts talking or walking around during the sermon, Vincent warns him that he won't get a smiley sticker that way. When Tom enters first grade, his father notices that other students can already read better than his son. Now, practice with discipline and perseverance are the order of the day. Because without a little pressure, Tom might not make any progress and learn at all. Like this, Tom grows up to be a model child and Vincent is very proud of how prepared his son seems to be on his way to adulthood. But is this really the case? Or are we missing something very important when it comes to growing up? In this episode, we will shed light on why Vincent's way of seeing and doing things is not bearing the fruit he hopes it will. After all, growth and maturity do not develop from outside pressure, but from within and always in a state of emotional calm. Dr. Gordon Neufeld explains how children rest and the role we as parents play in this process. Finally, we look at the topic from a spiritual perspective. How does God want us to rest and grow? Attachment is the greatest need of every human being, according to recent research in developmental psychology. It is the desire to be close to someone else. The glow in the eyes and the warm smile of the other person when they see us. The feeling of being wanted and welcome in the presence of the other person. Attachment, or the process of bonding, can take place on very different levels. Feeling close to another person through the senses, through having something in common, through being loyal and experiencing loyalty by others, through loving and being loved, through appreciating and being appreciated, and through trusting each other. In the next episodes, we will go into more detail about these different roots of attachment that Gordon Neufeld has identified in his research. Our brain, and more specifically the limbic system, searches for attachment every day. That is its principal task. It's a perpetual need that can only be satisfied intermittently. And these phases of saturation initiate phases of emotional rest. During these phases, the brain's energy is available for another task, that of maturing. 
If we look at the human body, we know that growth happens during periods of rest. Children grow while they sleep. The body regenerates and heals best when at rest. The same is true for inner growth. It seems paradoxical at first because we are normally focused on constantly working towards a goal or learning something in order to not do poorly in comparison to others and in order to gain respect and recognition. But it is resting from these efforts that is needed to be able to grow internally. In her book, Rest, Play, Grow, Deborah McNamara describes this in the following way. When children's relational needs are satiated, they are relieved of their greatest hunger and come to rest. During periods of emotional calm, the brain's energy is freed up for another task, that of play and maturation. Then the brain gets a chance to rest from seeking and maintaining attachment. It can focus on three essential maturation processes, which we will discuss in more detail in other episodes. First, the adaptation process, which renders a person adaptable and resilient. Secondly, the emergence process, which makes a person independent and responsible. And thirdly, the integration process, which turns a person into a social, considerate, and self-controlled being. It is no one else than we parents who are responsible for providing our children with this peace of mind. Therefore, the work of bonding, that is, of establishing and maintaining emotional attachment, is our most important task. We are responsible for appeasing our children of their greatest hunger. And this is true at any age and in any situation. We provide closeness cuddling, playing, reading books. We give our children the feeling of being seen. We take them seriously and show them that they are an important part of our family. It is our responsibility to remain loyal and respectful towards our children when they are naughty to us or to others. We should never become the adversaries of our children. We make our baby or child feel safe and secure to fall asleep instead of leaving them alone crying so that they might learn to calm themselves. After an argument, we take the first step towards the child and offer reconciliation even before insight or an admission of guilt comes from the part of the child. We stay involved even if we do not fulfill the child's wishes. We may not buy the candy but we offer understanding and companionship if this leads to a tantrum. We do not shame our children, turn away from them or ignore their feelings, laugh at them or scold them. We, the parents, hold on to the bond between us and our child. The foundation of this emotional bond is unconditional love. We as parents have the responsibility to create a reliable place of security and peace, an everlasting place of being welcome, no matter what. Our children are never responsible for the parent-child relationship. We often think that we will achieve behavioral change when we tell our children, as long as you act like this, I don't want you here. Go to your room and don't come back until you want to apologize and obey again. 
But here we are putting the responsibility on the children and teaching them how to earn our affection again. True responsibility comes about entirely without coercion, but more on that in another episode. Children need to feel our acceptance and appreciation precisely when they least deserve it. Yes, it sounds paradoxical and makes the worry in us cry out that they will only learn to take advantage of us or that we will only reinforce bad behavior through this apparent reward. But exactly the opposite is the case. We do not say that we should throw out our values and rules overboard. Of course, we express if we do not agree with a behavior, and indirectly the child sees daily by our example and behavior how we master social coexistence. Our feelings of frustration or despair when things don't go the way we want them to go are also perfectly normal. We do not have to swallow our own feelings, but express them in a way that does not harm anyone. We are allowed to say, It annoys me that the juice has been spilled again. But what children don't know in these situations is whether they are still loved if they don't behave according to our expectations. The ultimate question of every child's heart is, will my parents turn away from me when they see how I really am? So we may say, I am so frustrated, but at the same time, I love you no matter what. Children must be able to place their trust in us. They must be able to place their trust in the fact that we provide the attachment. Otherwise, their focus will be on themselves and their pursuit of attachment. They will work to please us or others and never be free. In the general public's opinion, this striving for good behavior is a sign of maturity, but this is a fallacy. Gordon Neufeld says, Children are not meant to earn our love. They are meant to rest in it. Only when resting can the brain actually mature, and then the fruits of that maturity become visible in behavior. In both cases, good behavior may be the result, but the inner emotional state of the person is a completely different one. In Vincent's story at the beginning, his son Tom could not rest. He was urged by separation and pressure to live up to his father's expectations. He always had to be ahead of others, perform. There was no inner after-work life for Tom. Perhaps Tom will indeed become a successful businessman who is also involved in church. But perhaps he will consider rules and laws more important than people never forgive himself for his own mistakes, and be anything but emotionally mature. If we only love our children, value them and invite them into our presence, only when they bring home good grades, when they sit quietly and dutifully in church, when they eat whatever we feed them, when they share with their siblings or in general, when they live according to our values, when they are kind, quiet, always cheerful, obedient, and preferably undemanding, then this is not unconditional agape love. This kind of love must be earned by our children. As we have said before, it is not about giving up our own values and standards, but the freedom to not have to change will create the power in our children to change. 
How discipline is possible without emotional separation and punishment is one of the things we will cover in more detail in our episodes on the adaptation process. It is time to learn to think education in a new way. To take this step, we need faith first of all. First, we need to believe that in every child, all their potential is already present. They already carry the blueprint to become a unique, wonderful person inside themselves. To want to learn, to want to take responsibility, to want to behave in a caring way. Our task is not to train our children to get a good character, but to fulfill the conditions in which their potential can unfold. We have to provide deep and lasting roots of attachment. Here is an example that will help us to understand this. We all know that every seed carries the potential to become a beautiful plant inside of it. We don't need to shape a flower bud or force anything into it. The beauty is not yet apparent in the flower bud, but everything that is necessary to unfold this beauty is already present inside. We can apply the same principle to our children. The only thing we can provide is the environment for the seed to grow by providing good soil and water, fresh air and sunshine. We can apply the same principle to our children. We need to trust in the power of attachment. Attachment will start the maturation process inside the child, but the fruits will take some time. Attachment-based parenting does not have quick behavioral changes as its goal, but focuses on looking beyond the manifesting behavior. It focuses on the child's emotions, motives, and needs. Instead of fighting unwanted behavior by any means or making demands like, you're doing this now because I told you so, we stay connected and try to understand. What does my child need right now? How can I respond to my child so that they want to follow me, so that he or she is moved to good behavior from within? Attachment empowers the child to become different. If we don't believe in the inner maturation processes, we will remain in permanent control mode. We must be careful that our child does not misbehave. We must continually impose consequences and never let the child get away with anything. And we must fight for our parental authority. In fact, in so many families, this very struggle is everyday life. And it makes us parents tired and desperate. Maybe you're also thinking right now, I love my child but I can't manage to always be patient and loving when my child doesn't listen to me. Always responding with love sounds like an even harder task. I'll never make it. We want to encourage you. Our topics present the ideal of parenthood, but not the reality. Agape love is not something anyone has in themselves. We all would like to nip in the bud our children's aggressive or naughty behavior, and we normally react to such behavior initially with consternation, anger, or disappointment. This is our normal human reaction. We are all stuck, some more, some less, in immaturity and are possibly still hardened by past experiences. 
We feel little empathy and understanding for our children, especially in critical situations. And all this prevents us from educating in love. When the older daughter hits the little brother, we would prefer to turn only to the victim and condemn, shame, or even hit back the older daughter. But in doing so, we separate ourselves emotionally from our daughter. We remain in bond if we also remain loyal to her, accompany her anger, and offer her our forgiveness even before she feels remorse. This agape love will change her heart, grow love in her, and lead her to maturity. In theory, this may all sound nice and logical, but all knowledge does not help us at all if we ourselves are not mature. This is why, here in this podcast, we are also concerned with our own hearts as adults. We too need to find in God this perfect Father in whose bond we can rest. For with us too, there is strength in resting, out of which we can then deal with our children in the Spirit of God. Since the fall, the entire system of this world has been built on the principle of work. We must earn attachment, love, respect, value, and rewards by behaving the right way. However, this is completely contrary to God's principle of life and His character. Bonding with God is a gift. It is never conditional. In the story of the prodigal son, the father did not make his love and forgiveness conditional on his son asking for forgiveness or making amends. And this the older son found to be unjust, because he lived by the concept of earned love. Likewise with Cain and Abel. Cain brought his own hard-earned sacrifice, while Abel brought a lamb that represented God's sacrifice for us humans. Cain provided the sacrifice. Abel accepted the sacrifice. In Jesus' parable of the praying Pharisee and the tax collector, the same principle is evident. The Pharisee thanked God that he was a good person. He was consistently concerned about behaving correctly for God and exhibited exemplary behavior, while the tax collector came to the temple to receive God's grace. In all three stories, it is revealed that our efforts to stay connected to God, our obedience, and our sacrifice are not the ways to receive God's love and salvation. Those who live according to the principle of reward can never rest in God's love and develop a mature, loving character from it. They are outwardly obedient to the rules of conduct, thinking they are keeping the law. However, the love that is the fulfillment of the law could not grow in their hearts. Therefore, they become angry when others receive God's love undeservedly without having changed beforehand, or when others have different biblical convictions and do not keep the same rules as they do. The spirit of criticism and anger testifies that love has not yet reached their heart. And because of this lack of experience, they obviously do not believe in the principle of growth from rest. Instead, they focus on giving their fleshly works and making their own sacrifices. Just as our children should not be responsible for bonding with us, that is, 
being responsible whether they are loved or not. Our faith should not focus on being good enough for God and to behave well enough for Him to love us. Let's say we have a big temper tantrum. In the process, we insult our children or even our partner. How do we think God will respond? Does he look at us in horror? Does he give us a time out until we apologize? Does he only care about others and turn his back on us? God is life bringer, healer, caretaker, and deliverer. He is agape love and forgiveness personified. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love for us by Christ dying for us and reconciling us to God while we were still sinners. God's offer of commitment is always there. His forgiving hand is outstretched. He takes the first step towards us when we sin. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of sorrow, to give you a future and a hope. God's response to our wrongdoing is not thoughts of accusation, for He is the Comforter. He does not have a disappointed look, but a look of compassion. He wants peace for our hearts. Our trust in this can bring us to rest in changes for the good. Matthew 5.43 says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who insult and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he makes his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Isn't this foolish of God? He seems to reward his enemies for their cursing and evil behavior. In the eyes of the world, this is absolutely foolish. Can evil be defeated with love alone? God's answer is yes. Only unconditional love can generate counter-love. God wants to draw us to himself with his character of grace. Grace will soften and change our hearts. Harshness, accusation, and punishment do not achieve this, neither in us nor in our children. Do we actually believe in such a God who responds to our blows with love, who counters insults with blessings? God does everything for us to believe this. We just have to allow Him to win our hearts. His presence brings healing. A repentant heart and confession of guilt is not the condition for God's forgiveness, but it is the result of encountering unconditional love. We only need to believe in this love and accept it for us. Then we will be redeemed from our greatest need. Isaiah chapter 30 verse 5 states, For thus says the Lord Yahweh, Israel's holy God, Through repentance and rest you will be delivered. In quietness and trust lies all your strength, yet you would not. God is waiting for us to recognize and take hold of His love. Then we become free from the fear of displeasing Him. No matter what addiction we are in, 
what storm or dark valley of doubt we are in. No matter how many sins bring us down, even as baptized Christians, God remains loyally on our side. He offers us, Come to me, all you who are almost crushed by your burdens. I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. But far too often our focus is only on ourselves. Do we love God enough? Is our devotional time sufficient? Why do we still not manage to resist temptation? Perhaps we pray too little? Or we neglect missionary tasks and do not take our faith seriously enough? The permanent focus on us, our behavior, and our responsibility as children of God shows that we want to do the work of bonding, that we want to be worthy of our God. If we had faith in God's faithfulness in our unfaithfulness, we would be drawn to Him more and more. We would seek Him as a child seeks his parents. We would enjoy fellowship with Him. We would want to tell Him everything, trust Him, and follow Him. But then it would no longer be work, but the slowly growing fruit of the Spirit in us. The way we interpret God's Ten Commandments depends on which image of God we have. Do we believe in a God with expectations? A commanding God? Then we will interpret the Ten Commandments as our service to please God. Obedience becomes a condition to be in bond with God. We must prove our gratitude for our salvation by keeping His laws. Even the fourth commandment about the day of rest becomes a day of prohibitions and restrictions. However, God introduces Himself at the beginning of the commandment as, I am Yahweh your God. I have delivered you from the slavery of Egypt. Exodus 20, verse 2. He is a liberating God. He is not like the gods of Egypt. He is there for us and does everything to reveal His faithful and loving character to us. When we believe in this God, the commandments become a promise. The you shall not becomes a you will not. Resting in bond with God is at the heart of the Ten Commandments. In fact, God wants to free us from the worldly system on His day of rest, from the need to have to perform. Six days we experience it in all areas of life, but the Sabbath is meant to set us free and give us rest, not only physically, but emotionally. Attachment brings about sanctification. The law of love will grow in our hearts like a mustard seed, and we will fulfill God's commandments from within by loving God and others. We must always remember that growth takes time and a real relationship. If we don't act like Jesus, don't feel compassion, and can't control ourselves in anger, then we are just not mature enough. This is precisely where Jesus is with us. He understands all our emotions. He knows our heart and our immaturity better than we do. He wants to make us healthy through empathy and attachment. This is how we will be able to mature emotionally. We can believe this even if we cannot see the fruits of the spirits in our lives immediately. Just as we grow and are changed spiritually, so too will our children mature. 
The first seven years of childhood seem to be a miniature version of how God redeems us humans and sanctifies us through his love. In this light, Ellen White's quote seems even clearer. Education and salvation are one in the highest sense. Why is it so hard for us to believe in the transforming power of commitment and rest? Perhaps it is because of our lack of personal experience with the power of love in our own childhood. That's why Jesus wants us to be born again. Because his upbringing is different. His focus is on bonding with you. Do you want to be healed and liberated by this God? Do you want to rest in his unconditional love? I am the vine, you are my branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears abundant fruit, for without me you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Over the next episodes, we would like to take you deeper into the topic of attachment roots. How can we make our love tangible to our children at different ages? How does God give us attachment roots? How does he fill our love tank so that we become ever more deeply connected to him? And how does this bonding produce fruit in our children and also in us? If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to share it with others. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bond Podcast, and also follow us on Instagram under the same name. We also appreciate any feedback via the email address thebond at mail.de that is t-h-e-b-o-n-d at m-a-i-l dot d-e